to the waters, he saw that the same boulder path had been cleared for them to go through on dry land, what was then dry land. So they crossed over 10.5 miles. Now, if, it, if, a, if a person can normally walk comfortably, just normal walking, not in a hurry, 20 miles a day, how long does it take them to get across there? Pro- probably more like an hour or two, you would say, why? Well, one, the Egyptian army is on their heels, <laughs> okay? Also, they're going downhill at about a 6% grade for about half of it, and then they're going uphill, the other side coming out about a 6% grade. So it probably took them a couple of hours to get across there. As they're about three quarters to almost all the way across, then he allows the Egyptian army to come through. But the Bible says that he caused the, God took the wheels of the chariots off so that they drove heavily. So he would slow them down so they would not be able to catch the, the children of Israel. And I'm going to show you the beach here in just a second, and you're going to see why it was important for them to get all the way out. Because the Bible says they saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Because over, okay, so if it's an east wind, that means that the, the ice walls, where the wind hit the, the, the water so hard, so fast, it evaporated it and formed ice. The walls would be thicker on the exit part than they would on the entrance part. So as the Egyptians were like halfway across, then the Bible says, as we read, was it last week or the week before, that he hit it with then heat back here. So the ice walls begin to melt back here. So then water filled in this trench, and all of a sudden Pharaoh and his army look back over their shoulder, and they see this wall of water washing towards them. And it caught them, drowned them all, not one survived, and then it washed all of their equipment, their chariots, their swords, their uh, hand staves, their, their shields, their helmets, everything. Washed them up onto the seashore along with the dead bodies. Which means that the wealthiest, strongest army in the world just turned all of their wealth over to the slaves as of about three days before. Now, here's what we're about to show you. This is supposed to play. Is that not playing? So they they walked across here. Then they went down to a place called Mara, which is about halfway. Then they went down to Elam. And they went through this dry water or riverbed here. Okay. All the way up here. And then they went up heading to Mount Sinai, but Mount Sinai is over here. But they couldn't go straight to it. They had to go back around the back way to the split rock. From the split, split rock, there, remember there was a, a, a war with the Amalekites. We think this might be a good place for that war, or also here, or possibly here. So then from there they went over to, this is the burning bush. This was where he first was uh, introduced to God. But then they went over here to Moloch and then to Grave and then up to Mount Sinai. It's hard to see that all on a map unless you can just kind of move around there. Okay, so. Crossing the Red Sea. Exodus fourteen sixteen. If thou lift up thy rod, or stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go through on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Dry ground, not mud. Dry ground. So this was a very powerful wind that hit the 
the, the, the mud underneath the water. This is the wadi that they went down, moving the rocks as they went down. So this is, this is where they were entangled in the land. This is Nueva, probably where they stayed out in the overnight. So they came through here, camped out here, crossed across up to here, went down someplace in this area was Mara or Bitter Water, then they went to Elam. Now, in my opinion, I thought Elam was the most awestruck place, the thing that I saw on the, on the tour the most. I'm not able to move forward. I need to have control of that, not you. Okay, yes, there we go. As I said, it's about 10.5 miles from here to here. This is a picture of the marker. We have a picture of Leslie and I standing on the marker someplace. Over here, I'm going to show you the picture of this marker uh, today also. This is Ron Wyatt's drawing of what he believed that it looked like underneath the earth or underneath the water, where they went in this side that was down for about a 6% grade and then up about a 6% grade, but on either side there was a steep drop-off there. So this was all arranged by God way back from creation. Another picture of it. Isn't that awesome? Now let's look at the Red Sea exit marker. Exodus 14.30, Thus saith the Lord, saved Israel in the day of the hand of the Egyptians. Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. That's key. So this is a picture, or a video actually, of us going down to see the marker. And we're in these four-wheel drive vehicles, three or four people to a vehicle, because that's the only way you can get there. What you're seeing in the foreground is the Red Sea. Now this is another picture of us going along the beach to the Red Sea, and this is the way they, when they came out, this is what they walked down. There's a nice pathway to walk along the Red Sea. But off to the left is steep mountains. So they couldn't go the mountain way, so this is along the Red Sea. Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. This is the seashore that they were dead on. And I'm about to show you that where I'm standing is a marker. Here are some of the people. I left the marker, the people in the videos, because I think it gives size and helps you to kind of understand what we're talking about. Now, they're standing over where the marker is. The marker is like right in here. I'm going to show you the marker in just a second. So try to imagine some 600 chariots and all of the soldiers with all of the weapons all washed up on that seashore, which is why the Egyptians had to not only get out of the water, but they had to get far enough up that seashore so that when that water came up and washed all the Egyptians and their armor and their chariots and everything up on the seashore, it wouldn't wash them away. Here's our group. We just got a picture taken. One of the other brothers let me have this video here. Right? Yeah. I'll show you a picture in just a second. Not to, okay, there you go. That's the marker. This is concrete. It's a square chunk of concrete with the marker in here. Another picture of it. A close-up picture of it. So that marks where the Red Sea marker is. The exit. Exit from the Red Sea. Now let's go to Elam. I absolutely loved Elam. And they came to Elam where there are 12 wells of water and three score and 10 palm trees. Now, you and I think of a well as a big round hole with bricks all the way around it with a little contraption over the top 
that holds a bucket. And most of us have not even actually got water out of a well that way. So, you know, we, we think of a well is... <laughs> that's, that's what we think of a well is. But that's not what we saw. To them, a well is simply where they can get water out of the earth. This is a satellite picture of Elam. Elam, I had always thought was a city. Wrong. It's not a city. It is, and I don't think it was a dry riverbed. Yes, it was a dry riverbed, but I think it was two platelets. Because I'll show you a picture in just a second. We walked back up in here, well, excuse me, we drove back up into either here or might even been back this far. Somewhere right in here, we stopped. I'll show you video and pictures there. But I looked there and then also where we went up in this way, probably my guess is back up into here. And I specifically took a lot of time to notice the walls and like, on one side, the walls would have cracks like this. Okay, so if it was once together, if it was one landmass and it cracked together, how do I say this? If the cracks were leaning this way on this side and it cracked apart, you would think that they would be looking the same way on the opposite side, right? In other words, like one time they fit together, right? I specifically looked for that and I did not find that either side. In other words, if the cracks went this way here, there might not be any cracks on the other side, or maybe they go the other way. Meaning, I do not think that it was one landmass that some kind of, either a riverbed washed it out or a crack came to the same landmass. I think it was two platelets that simply separated. And that's another thing pointing to the power of God. I think that back at creation, or actually back to the flood, Back during the flood, God arranged for this crack to be there. He put all of this together because I think as Isaiah 45.10 says, he knows the end from the beginning. He prepared all of this just like he's prepared for all of us to be here this morning. His hand is in everything. So I think it was two platelets that separated here. So here's the entrance. The children of Israel walked along the beach down here. They came in here and walked down this. Twelve wells. That's a lot of wells for Saudi Arabia. When we'd been there, it hadn't, we guessed it probably had rained for 12 to 18 months. Wow. Some of the palm trees that normally can survive were dying. Wow. Uh, it, it didn't look like they'd had water in a long time. This is the entrance to it. So as you can see, I don't know, is that 15, 20 stories high on either side of it? So we're talking about, they, they can't climb those mountains, but nevertheless, God arranged a crack on those mountains. Another picture of us going down there. This is where we stopped. Birds flying in there. Now here's a video. These are the, some of the palm trees, and I did not count, let's see that there's still 70 there, so 33 to 3,500 years later. But these are the wells. In other words, you, they, they could go down in there and get water. And you have to understand, 33, 3,500 years ago, the water was not as polluted then as it is now. Palm trees. Now, it's going to show you. This is the crack. I want you to look at the walls here. See the side, way that side wall looks. You see the cracks like this. Oh, that's a gourd. One lady we were driving along picked up a, a gourd and 
Then I guess she realized it was poisonous and threw it back out of the car. But anyway, this side does not look the same as that side. I think it was two platelets that simply separated. Not a big crack in the same platelet. I would have liked to have had uh, like a a four-wheel drive Jeep where we could have driven down that. I would have really liked to have gone down that. I think that would have been really, really cool. 70 palm trees. Now, what this means to me is it means absolutely positively we are walking where Moses and the children of Israel walked. There is no question. We are walking where they walked. See, there's a well. Now, hopefully it had more water in it then. Remember, the reason Lot went south is because it was well watered down south. So it probably wasn't as dry as it then as it was now. Wells of water. Again, I, I just left the people in the picture. I thought it give, gives uh, like realism and size. See, you see these cracks over there, but you don't see them the, other, the same way on the other side. Down the wadi. Over to the right. Now stand, spin back to the right so they can see behind you. Again. Back to your right, back to your right, back to your right. Okay. You're going to go there? Okay. No, it's on palm trees. Okay, let's go on to the next one. The uh, picture on the right is looking down this... (laughs) big winding river down there. The picture on the left is actually a video, if I can get it to play. And I'm saying, yes, uh, 3,500 years ago, they didn't have rebar and steel and concrete to make their, their water wells, but you can see there is water there. So when you've got over 100,000 people that are dying of thirst, they will find water if there is there. And in those days, probably the water was cleaner than it is today. I'm pushing the button, but it's not changing. There we go. There's a video of the walls. You can see this one's going that way. And if you see the other side of the wall here in a second, you see it's, it's not the same wall. But look at those mountains. You can't climb those mountains. I mean, you, you can't get cattle to go up that. You can't get sheep and camels. They, they can't climb that. So God arranged for this crack to be in the mountains with water in it when they needed it. So you can walk down there. See the birds? Isn't that pretty cool? Nice and cool. I might have already shown this video. Is this the same ones I saw before? Yeah, this is the same one. Okay, let's go on. Here's the exit. I looked for those, there's, there's a row of rocks across there, someplace in there, which I looked via satellite and I couldn't see it. But anyway, this is the water coming down through the exit going out. Uh, another video tour. This is looking down that wadi. This is using Google Earth. It's 
kind of skewed there, but you can still see what it's doing. Now we're coming up to the entrance right there. We went in this way and then rode up like that. And they walked along the side. Isn't that cool? This is a screenshot of where we were uh, according to, I don't know what that app is on your phone, you know, where it shows you where you are on the map. So this is Nueva. They walked across to here. They went down someplace, and here was Mara with the, sweet, the bitter waters turned sweet. Then they went to Elam, which snakes through there. Again, Elam snaking through there. Same shot. I really thought, as you can tell, I really liked Elam. It was really cool. Now let's go to the Split Rock. Split Rock was another really, really neat place. Bible says that Moses was told he should smite the rock and there shall come out water out of it that the people might drink. In my opinion, that rock, look at this guy down here, for size. Okay, so let's say he's six foot tall. If you measure that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Ah, what's fifteen times six? Tall, right? Fifteen to twenty stories, somewhere in that ballpark. That was a huge rock. In my opinion, I think it was one solid giant cube, like a dice. And it was not split. When they came upon it, it was not split. But Moses, either he just struck one of the rocks down here, which probably didn't happen. It took me an hour to go up, look around, and we're going to look inside of here in just a second, and come back down. I, I timed it. So it's about 20, 25 minutes up there. And you may be thinking, wow, man, that was quite a climb. Well, for Moses in those days that are used to walking, remember, they've been walking at this point for, what, two weeks? Okay, so climbing up there was no problem for them. You remember they found the big grape, what was it, what, grape cluster, so large that they had to put it on a pole? Our earth today is what they call languisheth. In other words, it's growing old. So in those days, the earth was still putting forth a lot of its power. I recently heard that coal gives off 60% more heat than wood today. Coal is pre-flood plants and animals. So that tells me that the pre-flood world was, had 60% more energy in it than the post-flood world. So probably, so this is, I looked it up, the flood took place, help me to remember here, Lord, took place at 2438 B.C., this took place 1688 B.C. So, whatever 3428, 1688 is, there's only like 12, 1300 years after the flood is Moses. So the earth still had a lot of power in it. So Moses going up that probably didn't take too long at all. And it probably didn't even break a sweat. Probably. So now let's look a little closer. A little closer, please. It's not turning. I'm pushing it. It's not going. There we go. A little closer. Look at the people. Okay, If you're averaging six foot tall, one, two, three, four, so 15, 20 stall, that's huge. 
And what Moses apparently did is climb up to the rock, take his staff, and by the way, I know why he had a staff now, because if you're going to climb rocks, you better have a staff. Uh, as I said last week, probably the walking stick that Joel let me borrow, actually he gave it to me, probably saved me from falling on my face probably 30 times. It is a must for mountain climbing. It's also good to keep away snakes and wolves and things like that. But anyway, so that gives you an idea how tall this rock is. This is a huge rock. And as you're coming into the area, yeah, there's mountains and things like that, as you can see in the pictures. But then all of a sudden there's this big rock sticking up that's bigger and more prominent than anything in the area. Well, I had, as I said last week, I'm, I'd heard that up in the top of it that there's a big round area about the size of a beach ball up there where they believe water was created out of thin air. So I wanted to get up there and see if that was true. So I crawled up here. I'm not certain. I think this might be me. or <laughs> We're a lot of us wearing white there. But I'll show you. I went up inside there. This is a, well, that's a picture of me up inside there. Now look at this. See, if you look at here, the rocks are jagged. But up in here, they're all smooth. They're all nice and smooth. So with this water that was formed right there in this crack, I don't think that the cube was broken in two. I think it was broken in three parts. Water came, poured out to the right, to the left, and to the back. This is the front where it poured out. I'll show you the side in just a second. But it's all smooth. When you're up there, you can see it's all smooth. A lot of water came out of there. This is where the water came out in the back part, as I recall. Now, what I'm, I want you to look at is if you look, if water had been coming out that crack, that wouldn't have been there. That wouldn't have been there. And instead, there would have been a bigger hole there. You'd have been able to look down into it and see if water came up from the earth below. It was not. Water did not come up from below. Water was supernaturally created out of thin air in the top part of that rock. Here's a, another picture. This is, again, the front part. See, look here. That water didn't come up from the earth here. It came down from being created up here. Same thing. All of these are all nice and smooth. And you can see them. You can, tell, of course, you can look at the rest of the rock. Again, when you're there, you look at the rest of the rock, and it's all rough. But this is smooth, like lots of water has flowed over it. This is looking from the back of the rock. I didn't get this picture. One of the brothers got it for me. But I hollered at him. I said, Chris, you got to get me pictures and video of the far side. I will. I will. So he sent me. <laughs> matter of fact, he sent me this picture. He took this picture. But this is the bottom. If water had come up there, none of that would be there today, right? There would have been a big hole going down into the ground. Water didn't come up from the, from the earth. It was created up in here. And... See, this is looking from the back. Okay, I think I've got video here, yeah. Now, I took this video. This is uh, looking from the back. I, I, I pulled Joel around. I said, look at here. It also came from the back. Or, excuse me, from the side. Came right down through here. So, again, it came out and went to the right, went to the left, and it came out the back, too. So it came out three different ways. A lot of water. That's the point. I think that's another video, yeah. This is video from the back of the rock. Now, that's what I want you to see. Look up in there. 
That's where the water was created, right up in there at the top, right a little higher, a little, well, anywhere in there, just created out of thin air. Pretty awesome, huh? Did water come from below? Is that another video? It's not going forward. It's not obeying very good this morning. And I need new batteries. My batteries are on. Shows you the terrain around there. Rough terrain. No water. Now, this is a good one. Right up in there is where the water was created. Look at here. See there? All, and then it would come down splashing through here. And then it came out and flowed down. This is at the bottom. Looking around. And right over here was the men's bathroom. On the picture I took last week, I may show that again. This is a picture looking down from the split rock. And you'll see some little bitty people down there and the cars way down. So it's high. Put your hiking boots on. And I didn't have the right kind of shoes. I still made it, but they weren't right. Okay, moving on. From the back side. Now, the other video stopped by looking right here. So here we're looking up from the back side, up in all of the water was just created up here and it flowed right down here and then down and out the mountain. Could water have bubbled up from below? No. I don't think so. I don't think it could have. Backside of the split rock. So again, it shows that it was broken in three places, not just two. I think it's taking so long because it's loading the videos, yes. Oh, this is the video I took. Okay, so this is showing where the water flowed down and then on out, yes. Up. This is the river I found over near the men's latrine. See, it flowed right out of here. Part of it went over here. Part of it came out of here and flowed right down there. This is one Leslie showed you last week. It's so strange to be driving down the road and you just see camels walking along and they just pretty much ignore you. They're not afraid of you at all. Just says, excuse us, but we're walking across your road. We don't care that it's 2022. We've been doing this long before you came along. Strange animals. Okay, now let's go to Jehovah Nisi. This is the likely place where Israel fought the Amalekites. The Bible says, And Moses lifted up his hand. Well, I'll read the whole thing. Moses came to Joshua. 
Choose us out men and go to fight with Amalek. They were giants. And I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalekite. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So they propped up his, his arms so that Israel would prevail. They took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side, and they beat the giants. And, of course, we don't know exactly where it was, but as you're driving along there, there's not too many places where a battle could have been fought. The sand there is, I guess we've all walked on a beach, and you know that walking on a beach in the sand is very laborious. I mean, you get tired really fast. But there was one place that looked like the, road, the, the, the ground was fairly, fairly solid. Remember when we were driving along? Uh, we looked at it and said probably that would be where the Amalekites fought Israel. That also might be a good place for the woman to flee, and I've talked about that. Where I want to go down and prepare a place so that those people in Jerusalem, when they see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, they run to the holy place, run 216 miles south down to the real Mount Sinai. And if God allows, I'd like to begin preparing a place for those people to stay when they get down there. We will see how that happens. So this might be, here's the split rock to put that in to uh, connection. Here's Moloch, the gravesite, Mount Sinai, Moses' altar. We're going to look at those in the next segment, probably. But anyway, up in this area is probably where the Amalekite battle took place. Not a lot of flat land, and trying to fight in that sand is like, you're doing good to walk, much less fight. So, we will see. I'm waiting for it to change. This is some picture we thought might be, see, this is sand. That'd be pretty hard to fight in. This is even worse sand. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. That might be a, another place where they might have been able to do the battle too. That's other rocks that are not the split rock. He said that this might be one of the places, but it looked to me like it's just too sandy, too sandy to do it. Okay, let's stop there, and I'll come back to the plateau where we start now talking about Mount Sinai. So we will come back in 15 minutes for praise and worship. We're going to put on our full mark, God. How many have done that this morning already? Oh, that's great. Um, if needed, put an alarm on your phone. Go off every morning to remind you. Put on your full mark, God, until it becomes repetition and you remember to do it. Um, all right, so we're going to pray real quick. Let's lay our hands and bow our eyes. Father God, we lift up your great and mighty name, glorious and mighty name. You are worthy to be praised. And Father God, we put on our helmet of salvation, a righteous breastplate, our girdle of truth, our shield of faith, our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we are standing on the word, the word of God. And Lord, we ask that you would enlarge our coast, that you would keep um, all of your hand upon each and every single ministry. You would watch over them and you would protect us subconsciously. And, and from all subliminal areas coming to, from, around, and concerning us. 
and that you will lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Lord, we worship you. We do give you the praise. We know we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let's praise our God. Come on, let's put our hands together. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Oh, Lord, my God, in you I put my hope. Yes, we do. Oh, Lord, my God, to you I put my trust. Yes, we do. Oh, Lord, my God, to you I put my hope. In you, in you I find my peace. And in you, in you I find my strength. And in you I live and move and breathe. Let everything I say and do. Let everything I say and do be founded by my faith in you. Lift up holy hands and sing. Let the praises ring. Hallelujah. Come on, let me see your hands. Oh, Lord, my God, to you I give my hands. And oh, Lord, my God, to you I give my peace. He gives us feet for dancing. Oh, Lord, my God, to you I give my everything. Yes, we do. Oh, Lord, my God, to you I give my life. Yes, we do, Lord. In you, in you I find my peace. Hallelujah. In you. In you, I live and move and breathe. Let everything I say and do, let everything I say and do be founded by my faith in you. Lift up holy hands and sing. Let the praises ring. Hallelujah. Let the praises ring. All right, come on. Let me see your hands up high. Let me see those feet moving. Come on. Let the praises ring. 
of him we can shout out the name Jesus with freedom because he is our friend and no one can stop that amen so it is a joyful thing to say I am a friend of God and he calls me his friend hallelujah Lord you are worthy and worthy to be praised we give you all the glory and honor and all the worship hallelujah Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. I want more 
This is my daily bread. Hallelujah, Lord. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. This is my daily bread. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence. Yes, it is, Lord. It's living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. And your very word, it was spoken to me. Marvelous, great and marvelous, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, or glorify thy name, for thou only art holy? For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And Lord, this morning we are looking again at your great and marvelous works a God that splits the sea and puts his people walking through on dry land. Impossible. 
impossible except for God. A God that raises up a baby that was supposed to be tossed into the Nile and killed and drowned, puts it into a little small boat, floats it down so that the daughter of Pharaoh picks the baby out of the water and then turns, chooses the mom, says, I'll give you all of your wages. You put Moses to be raised in the courts of Pharaoh. To raise him up, to turn around, to send him back into his half-brother to say, let my people go. You sent ten plagues to show your power. Before that, the world did not know you. They'd forgotten you. You sent ten plagues to say, I am God. You split the Red Sea to say, I am God. You chose out a people for your name. Then you took them to a mountain and you said, I will be your God if you will agree to be my people. And they said, I do. The first and the greatest marriage. And now, Lord, here we are some 33 to 3,500 years afterwards, once again looking for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Once again looking for a time when we can be reunited with you and the Father. When we can have the glorified body, this old sinful body is put aside so we can live eternally with you. So we can look into your face and not feel any sin, not feel any fear because you sent your one and only son to the cross. This morning, Lord, we ask you to open our eyes to see. Not just the pictures, but help us to really understand. Give us your revelation anointing so that we can understand how great and marvelous your works are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to continue with the plateau. The Bible says that Moses was told to take 70 elders. And he said to Moses, "Come come up unto the Lord, Thou, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship you afar. Now, what I want you to see here, and I think I put it in here, these 70 elders were allowed to see God and live. They saw him, as I recall, we'll read it in just a second. They saw him and lived, they saw him, and they actually ate with him. 70 elders. And they went up on that plateau. Now, when I climbed Mount Sinai, as I talked about last week, they warned us. They said, okay, so if you plan to climb Mount Sinai, you need to go and probably do some Stairmaster about three hours a day. You need to go do some long walks about three hours. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I blamed it on racquetball. Yeah, okay. I blamed racquetball twice a week. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong, I, 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 but see, I, I didn't think that, I, I don't need to climb up there. You know, they say they've got drone footage, lots of pictures up there. I don't need to climb up there. But then when I got there and I saw it, Leslie turned to each other. We said, we got to do this thing. Well, fortunately, I talked her out of it the next morning. And boy, that was a good thing. As a matter of fact, somebody should have been there to talk me out of it too. But... Uh, Just to let you know, I don't think I gained anything from trying to climb Mount Sinai 
spiritually other than to learn just to get an appreciation for what Moses did. Uh, before we started, uh, Joel turned to me and said, you got a walking stick? No. Now, what would you think? I don't need a walking stick. He said, well, I've got an extra one. I'll let you use mine. I thought, fine. Well, it wasn't but about five minutes later I come to discover that walking stick's real helpful. When you're going up the rocks, okay, so some of the rocks are rocks. Some of the rocks are rocks. But some of the rocks are rocks, and some of the rocks are boulders. <laughs> now, when you're going to try to climb a rock, and that's another thing. I should have had gloves on, leather gloves, because uh, palms of my hands would have been bleeding by the time I got down if I hadn't had that walking stick. But with the walking stick, it would allow me three points to climb instead of just two points. So I could push myself up. But I got as far as I could go, and I, this other lady sat down, and she says, I don't think I can go anymore. I'm thinking, I'm glad you said that, because he's like, I, I agree with you. Come on, Stan, you can do this, you can do this. I thought, yeah, I can probably go further, but there better be a helicopter up there to get me back down, because I'm, this is, I've reached my halfway juice point. You know, it is flashing 50% on the batteries right here. You're going to turn around, you're going to go down from right here, or you're not going to go down. So she says, I'm going back down. I'll go with you. <laughs> so one of the, the guides went with us. And as I said last week, that walking stick helped me to keep from falling at least 30 times. I'm not exaggerating that. There were times where I would put the walking stick down and then I could ease myself down. It was... Matter of fact, they, they asked me, they said, so would it be better if you had two walking sticks? No. One walking stick was perfect. But I, I came to appreciate Moses and his staff at having a walking stick because it was very important. And I say that because now because I did try to climb to the top of Mount Sinai, and that's some things we're going to be talking about this morning, I have a better appreciation of it. I made it probably 40, maybe 50% of the way up Mount Sinai. And as I'm walking up in these rocks, I'm thinking, that's a perfect place for a snake. <laughs> that's another perfect. And so for a while, I was watching every rock, looking for a snake, listening for a rattler. But I come to find out, no, there is nothing here. Because nothing can live here. <laughs> it hasn't rained in probably over a year in that area, and it is dry. There weren't any, I didn't, the only thing that can make it up there is camels. And the reason we know that is because one of the archaeologists, the archaeologists on the tour with us kept saying, follow the camel droppings, follow the camel droppings. One of the other reasons I decided to turn around is I looked up and there was a group that had already made it over, over to the plateau. There was another group that was going around hollered at them. I said, why are you going this way? Don't you need to be going this way? Don't you need to be going up? And they said, well, we lost track of the people in front of us. Now we're looking for the way up again. <sighs> so I decided to come back down. Now, when I got back down, I'm, as, as I was walking on level ground with my walking stick, because I need a walking stick just to walk on level ground. <laughs> I was so exhausted. You know what I'm talking about. I was, I don't think I'd ever been that tired in my whole life. 
I told Leslie, I said, I think that something got burned out of me because ever since then, man, my blood pressure has been like 115 over 70. I went to the, to, to the dentist, it was like 117 over 70. Next day I went to the doctor, it was like 110 over 60. I thought, yeah. So I, I had to get a compliment from the doctor. I said, isn't that pretty good for a guy 69? She says, that's real good. I thought, yeah, Mount Sinai. <laughs> that's where I got it, man. So the Bible says these 70 elders of Israel were commanded of God to go up with Moses. Moses came and told the people all of the words of the Lord and the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the world words which the Lord has said we will do. Then went Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. They saw God, the God of Israel. Not just Moses. We tend to think Moses was the only one that saw God. Not wrong. Not, not true. Seventy elders. They saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven and his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. Think about that. So there's really 71 people that saw God. Not only did they see him, but they got to eat and drink with him. Isn't that awesome? So this plateau thing we're about to look at is really important. Now, I also need to give you a disclaimer. I know that some of the skeptics would say, well, you don't have any real proof that this is the Mount Sinai or all of these other places. Well, they're the kind of people that would want Moses to pop out of the clouds and sign an affidavit and guarantee that this is where it all happened. But I think I can show you enough evidence to where the reasonable inquiring mind would have to say, yeah, this is the place. This is the plateau. No, I didn't make it to the plateau. I was probably another 15, 20 minutes of climbing away from it. But one of the brothers promised he'd send me some videos and pictures of it, and this is some of them. This is Mount Sinai. So you can see it's probably another, I'm going to say an hour climb up from there. I know that looks real simple. That ain't simple. One of these days Justin can climb it though. This is, okay, back up. Okay, right here is where the picture is taken from now looking up. Okay? That's about an hour climb from there. But that's an hour climb for an athlete. Uh, and I'll have to say, though, uh, there was some women that made it. There was some young, a couple of girl, young, young girls that made it. Uh, there was several, how do I say, medium-age ladies that made it. There was, there was one guy who was 85 years old that made it. Now, he came back with a boogered up forehead, but he made it. He fell one time, and they said he just tumbled right forward. Because as I was going up there, there, there were places where it was, like, really steep. And there were places where, you know, Leslie wanted me to go see this movie about this, this, these two ladies that climbed this tower. Have you seen that? They're trying to, okay. Have you ever seen one of those movies where... You get the, the what, what's what do you, vertigo? Vertigo, is that what you call it? Vertigo, when you, ah, you look over the side of a building? 
<laughs> stretching it. How do I get close to it? I got that a lot. That was as I was going up and as I was going down because there was many times to where I thought if I slip, I might lose a couple of teeth. I might get my skull bashed in. I mean, really serious injury. And I'm thinking, you know, we're a three-hour drive from civilization plus uh, another hour, hour and a half climb down. There are no helicopters, okay? There's no one coming. So I thought, your prayer life increases. (laughs) Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. But I didn't get hurt. Get hurt more in the racquetball court than I do there. So anyway. So this picture is looking up at Mount Sinai. Now let's look at Moses' altar. Because the scripture says that he sacrificed a bunch of animals. Okay, there we go. Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars. Now that's important. So the place, if this is really Mount Sinai, would have to have 12 pillars there. It would also have to have an altar. Now, so what's a, you know, what's so big about an altar? An altar is not easy to make. I remember when we were in Israel, I don't know, 20 years ago, and the, 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 the tour guide showed us an altar. And it was only about this tall, and it was probably 15 feet across, but it was nothing but stones. But see, the Bible says you can't lift up a, an instrument against a stone or it pollutes it. So for, try to imagine trying to find a bunch of flat rocks. So they're all flat like this big, this like a, but they're all flat like a book. You know how, many, how far you have to walk to find a flat rock like a book? Long ways. Because guess what? They're all round, or these all kinds of different, but they're not flat. So to find a flat rock that you can stack like books takes a lot of work. This was a big round altar, and I asked the tour guide, I said, can I get up on it? He said, I wouldn't. It's, you know, it's not designed to be walked on. It's designed for them to put the sacrifice up on. So this altar that was made here, it can't have any tools against it. They can't use any mortar. They can't, it, it has to be all stackable rocks, not easy to find in a place where all the rocks are all round, or rounded, so to speak. Twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. So it has to have a place that has an altar with twelve pillars. Now what's a pillar? Well, a pillar can be, you know, like this big, but in this case, the pillars are on a bit about this tall, but they're around like this. I'm going to show you a picture in just a second. And there's 12 of them there. He said, Young man to the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in the basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. He took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord hath said we will do and be obedient. Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning these words. And they saw the God of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and there, this is the 70 elders, okay? And there was under his feet as it were a paywork of sapphire stone, as it were the body of heaven in its clearness. 
And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand also. They saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said to Moses, Come out to me in the mountain and be there, and I'll give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. Now, let me back up, back to this picture. So, if I can get it to go here. These are big pictures, so it takes a second to load. It's not... This is where the 70 elders ate and drank. This next picture was taken from here looking up to here. Okay? Now, now we're going to look at the, the altars. So these are all stones. I know you're looking at that, and especially if you're there, and I'm going to show you a close-up picture in a second. You look at that and say, man, they had to have mortar to do that. You have to have mortar to have a, a wall like that. But no, they can't use any mortar. They can't use any instruments. They have to find rocks that will stack one on top of each other. That is not easy. Especially since this altar is some 35 to 30, 33 to 3,500 years old, and it still stands? That's awesome right there. Over here is the altar where he would do the sacrificing the animal. Now, you may be saying, okay, so why did it have this curve in it here? Up here, in this direction, water flowed down, because they had to actually water flowed in this direction. It flowed right by it, down like that. <laughs> had to have water because... When you're doing the sacrifice, you, you know, it's a mess. Okay? You've got to have clean water to clean up things. So they would put the animals in here, and the, the altar was then high enough to where uh, they couldn't see. They would walk down in here, and the animals would turn around, come like this, so that, and there was, so there was one, two, three, four turns. And then they would bring the animal down around here, and the animal got the throat cut here. Why? Because if the other animals started seeing what's happening to the other animals, everybody's getting their throat cut, they're going to be saying, uh, I want out of here. And you got a problem. you got a, you got a stampede on your hands. So they'd have to bring them around the backside of the altar. While they were here, we also found 12 pillars, these round pillars. You're going to see those here in just a second. So it's further confirmation that this is Mount Sinai and the Bible is true. And our God really is an awesome God. Amen. So this is a close-up shot of Moses' altar. I took this picture here. Waiting for it to load. There's the big rock you saw in the picture. They go down and then he leads them around by, okay, for, for the cutting of the throat. It is slow. That's a close-up of the altar and where they did the cutting. Now, of course, now 3,500-some-odd years later, it's not as nice and neat as it was in those days, but it was there. Is that computer really that slow? I think this is a video, yeah. Okay. We're, okay, see, there's a pillar, two, uh, three, four, five, seven. there's 12 of them there. Twelve pillars for the twelve children of Israel. And he's saying that, you know, he's explaining the altar here and all of the things that are going on there. And there's a, another video scan. There's the river coming down. There's the altar. The river runs right by it for animal sacrifice. 
Kind of interesting. Huh? This lady here made it all the way to the top. Her name is Miriam. Remember her? She what? That's not what she said, but nevertheless. Okay, let's go on. <clears throat> History and Archaeology, Saudi Arabian Ministries of Education, Antiquities, and Museums says that they found a layer of ash, charcoal, and bones and other mixed organic materials at that altar location. So they found archaeological evidence that, yes, it was an altar. And here I'm standing on one of the pillars, and that is my walking stick. And I am exhausted. I could barely stand up. I was doing good to get up on that altar. Other altars there. Or, pillar, not an altar. Pillar. There's the pillars. For the 12 children of Israel. Kind of interesting, huh? Okay, I think this is video. Boy, really? Really slow. Okay, this is the plateau. Uh, one of the brothers shot this for me. Again, I didn't make it up here. You can see it's, it's hard walking. Look at those rocks. So that's part of the plateau. Seventy of them could go up there and eat and drink. They had to haul all of their water and their food up there. Seventy elders plateau. See, if your typical mountain it just goes up and down like this. It doesn't necessarily have a plateau where the, the, the elders could have eaten. But again, God arranged it all that way. That's a picture Leslie took. That was me. That's, by the way, that's level ground. That might not look like level ground, but compared to what I've been on, that's level ground. Man, really? Is it really this slow? Wow. Okay, now let's go to the top of Mount Sinai. Uh, is the tallest and most sacred mountain in the area, so says Philo. So... All you had to do is go to Jabez Laws, kind of like the Rocky Mountains is Rocky Mountain Range, a long range of mountains. Jabal El Laws is the same thing. It's a long range of mountains. And the, the highest mountain is called Mount Sinai, and that's it. And that's what an ancient uh, writer said. Mount Sinai is the tallest and most sacred mountain in that district or in that area. <clears throat> now Moses, when he obtained the favor of Jephro, stayed there in Midian and fed his flock. But some time afterward, taking his station in the mountain called Sinai, he drove his flocks thither to feed them. Now this is the highest of all the mountains thereabout, and that's Josephus confirming that Josephus said Mount Sinai is the highest of all the mountains in the Jabal el area. Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. So we'd have to establish that this is the land of Midian. Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. That's where the split rock is I showed you this morning, the mountain of God. So if this is 
Mount Sinai, it has to be near Midian, and it has to be near the Rock of Horeb, and it is. All of those fit. Everything in there fits. This is Mount Sinai as it's looking from... This is not even all the way at the start. But I'll show you this right here. Oh, I've, got, I've got other pictures in a second. That is Elijah's cave. Now, right now, how long do you think it takes to climb to Elijah's cave as you look at that? About three hours of really tough climbing. As a matter of fact, you guys were going to climb to Elijah's cave, right? And you heard what? What'd they tell you? So there were some really tough people back then. This is about a third the way up. I think I took this picture. Here's Moses' altar. This is where we started from, so we walked all the way over here to Moses' altar. And we didn't climb up like this. We climbed up like this, but this is me coming back down. I thought, eh, I should probably take a picture of just how far I made it up, which is about like 40% of the way up. It was still exhausting. Halfway up. Another one of the brothers there. See the rocks? I mean, it's climbing. This is not a Stairmaster. Stairmaster will not get you ready for this. This is from the plateau, again looking up at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, 7,631 feet above sea level. This is one of the brothers that got me some pictures and video. I said, okay, if you make it to the top, give me some video and some pictures. So this is one of the pictures he sent back. This is some of the videos that he sent back. Down here, I think, is the Golden Calf Altar. This is the uh, Altar of Moses way down here. So you can see he's, he's way up. This is another shot from the plateau, I think. This is some video he shot of it. <clears throat> this is about 60% of the way up. There's more. This is from the top. So that's the top of Mount Sinai right there. Moses got the Ten Commandments right. No. <laughs> but they are walking where Moses walked right now. Is that awesome? Yes. Yeah, and <clears throat> and back down. They had to have, they were, I don't know, but my guess is they were more like seven foot tall and they were still considered like grasshoppers compared to the giants of the days. But my guess is they had some kind of like a, a backpack thing or something because as, as I recall, Ron White said they're like, like yay big and like yay big and like back, about an inch thick and there were two of them. So probably Jethro carried one, Moses carried one. They still had to carry food and some kind of water although they stayed there for 40 days, so God provided food and water for them somehow. It was not easy. 
I mean, so just appreciate all of the miracles that God did. Now, here's a video I put together showing you Mount Sinai. This is from Google Earth. And those are the GPS coordinates that I got from Jim and Penny Caldwell, by the way. I was trying to see where the plateau is. I'm not sure. The only thing I can guess is that it must be like right there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure maybe if that's it. I don't know, maybe that's it. I kind of zoomed around. I thought, well, I don't know, maybe that's it. I, 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 I couldn't determine where the plateau was. I guess if I had traveled there, if I climbed there, then I'd be able to spot it. But Okay, I guess. Oh, this is looking down. This is showing you the rest of it. So here's Moses' altar. And then here's the golden calf altar. And the rock of Horeb is on up here, the split rock, just to show you kind of how it fits together. More video from the top of Mount Sinai. <clears throat> Down here is the, the golden calf altar. I think that's in the area. I'm not certain. I remember seeing this. I'm not certain exactly. It, it might be that thing there. But I've got video of that too. Oops. That's just another picture. Okay, now let's go to Elijah's cave. And he arose, in other words, if this is true Mount Sinai, it would also have to have a cave big enough to be called Elijah's cave. This is 1 Kings 19, and he arose and did eat and went in the strength of the meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mountain of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto men and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? So this is Mount Sinai. If this is truly Mount Sinai, there would also have to be a cave located nearby, according to the Bible, and there was. According to Joel, this is right in here was the first place when you're coming down off of Mount Sinai, the first place that they might be able to see the golden calf. Remember, the Bible says that he turned to Jethro and he says, I hear the sound of singing, but it's not of battle and it's not a rejoicing, and it was actually one of worship. They were worshiping the golden calf. Another picture of Elijah's cave. Another picture of Elijah's cave. And a picture just outside Elijah's cave. And a picture from inside Elijah's cave. I didn't make it to there, so we got pictures. Last, Leslie and... These three guys said, oh, let's go up to Elijah's cave. And then when they heard, no, it's, it's harder to get up Elijah's cave than it is Mount Sinai. And I only made it about probably 60% of the way, probably. Or maybe 40%. Yeah, I think 40%. And Aaron saw it. He built an altar there before it. Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow's a feast to the Lord. They rose up early in the morrow and offered bird offerings and brought peace offerings. People sat down to eat and drink and rose to play. For they said, Make us gods, this is Moloch, which shall go before us as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. And I said unto him, Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. And they gave it me, and I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. And when Moses saw the people, they were naked. Now, this is a key. So what are they doing? 
They're having one big orgy. Now, if you're in people in those days knowing what they did and you wanted to transfer knowledge of a golden calf with people dancing naked, and by the way, they're probably not just dancing, right? You understand, okay? Big orgy. Men and women doing whatever they want around the golden calf. So if you're old people, 3,500 some odd years ago, and you want to, to communicate to future generations what happened and where it happened, what might you do? You might draw pictures on the wall of calves, and somehow you're going to have to communicate that the people are naked and that they're having sex, a big sex orgy. And sure enough, that's what they found. I'm going to show you some pictures in a second. This is a flyby picture of the golden calf. You see that green area there? Well, actually, it's green in other pictures. That's the reason I say I think the golden calf is right by that. So that's the golden calf. Actually, this square thing here, that is the golden calf area. And right under the fence there is where we all climbed. We got a picture of him climbing under the fence. So we climbed under the fence. We went to the golden altar. This is video. We'd, they might have stacked up these rocks, but they might have just been found there, and then they put the golden calf up on top of it. And if you're trying to communicate to the future antiquities that this is what happened here, you would probably draw these pictures on the wall. These are the pictures that we found there. I think we got a closer up. Now, the interesting thing is, is cows these days don't have big spots on them. Like we, I don't think I've ever seen a cow that looks like that today. Also with the big horns like this, they look different than that today. Okay, up like this. But what else do you see there that might be indicating that this is big orgy? Well, let me, let me point this out. I've got some other better pictures in a second. You see this cow here, and you see him holding up the cow underneath it. What's that saying? It's saying, really, that we, we worship the cow, or Moloch. Our living, our substance, everything that we want comes from Moloch, comes from the cow. That's what they're saying. Here's another picture. Now do you see things that indicate that they are probably having a big sexual orgy. In case you don't see that, that's a male erection. So they're saying they are having sex, dancing around the calf. This is what? This is a person, yes? What is this going through them? What did the Bible say that Moses did to the people that worshiped the calf? He said, get your sword strap it to you, and go in and out of the tents of all of the people that worship Moloch and run them through. 3,000 people were killed that day. So if you look at this, cows, orgies, you look at this, and it's all right there at the calf, it's right there at that golden altar, what would you say they were trying to communicate? Would you say they're trying to communicate what happened here was they were worshiping a calf and having a big sex orgy and they all got run through? I think that's what they were saying. These are 
ancient uh, Egyptian spotted cows that were drawn on the pyramids. See that they have these big spots just like these. See? Big spots. Does that make sense? Yeah. See their horns, how they come up? Another one. Not just an accident. And this was drawn at the, the golden calf altar there. Modern people did not draw those on there. We estimate that the, they lived around this, this rock for about 10 or 11 months. So in that time, over 100,000 people living there, and they wanted to let future generations know what happened, that this was the rock of Horeb, or this is the rock where they worship the golden calf. Also, if you'll see here, you see the calf or the cow, and then underneath you see the people holding up the cow. So the cow is and drinking from the udder, directly from the udder, so they're saying they get all of their living, all of their substance from the cow. Here's a drawing of the picture. They get everything from the cow. That's Moloch worship. That's cow worship. Another picture. Another picture of the same thing. So this picture is drawn here. Wouldn't you say that's, yeah. that's just about as conclusive a proof as people 3,500 years ago could send forward through time to us. Mm -hmm. All pictures there. So the next day they arose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose to play. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And that's where they were corrupting themselves. It came about, as soon as Moses came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger burned, and he threw the tablets down from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. Now, I would love to find those broken Ten Commandments. Because if we could find those, that would absolutely remove all doubt that this is Mount Sinai. All questions would go away. This is some more drawing. Now, the interesting part of this, this is not at the golden calf. This is about, I would say, a three-minute walk from the golden calf. But you see, many of the, the rocks of the area have this black-brown coating on them. And you can easily scrape, scrape it off with a sharp of the rock. And so this rock to me looked like it was not just an accident that it was sitting on other rocks. It looked to me like it had been placed there as a sign. And they're saying this is the place where they rose up dancing. You see this is a human. And what do we see? We have another erection. So they're all having a big sex orgy. And here is another picture of the golden calf. And this is right around the corner. Now when Moses saw the people were out of control, he said to them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Every man of you put on his sword upon his thigh and go back and forth in the gate to end the camp. Kill every man his brother, every man his friend, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Not just the ones that worshipped, Everyone in their tent, every one of their friends. Kill them all. This is another picture very close to there. 
There's another really good one here. Oh, there's a video. Okay. Okay. This is one of the ladies on the tour. This is uh, Joel. He's explaining about the uh, the rock and it, can we hear a video on that? It sounds like they're singing, right? And, and it sounds like they're they're yelling. And so then it's not until he gets over the second ridge that he can see what's going on. He comes down and he can the the the, the, the tablets were there in charge. I don't think you can hear him. That's the reason I've just muted the video and all, on the audio and all that. Okay, let's go on. This is in front of Wall Street. What is that? We see the same thing. In other words, Wall Street, the wealthy people are still Molochs, are still worshiping the same God as they did at the Golden Calf. This is another picture of the Golden Calf. What they would do is they would put in fire, heat this up until it's red hot, and they would put their newborn babies on there and basically just cook them. This is the God that wants to see the thing that God loves very much, his creation, his people, to experience as much pain, as much suffering, as much bloodletting as possible. And unfortunately, these are the people that own and control most of the world. These are the 1% that own most of the corporations of the world. And they own and control it all. 3,000 Moloch worshippers' graves. If this is Mount Sinai, you'd have to, well, you, you, you wouldn't have to, but it would be a confirmation if you could find their graves. Well, they believe that they've found the graves. When Moses saw the people who were naked, Moses stood at the gate of the camp, who's on the Lord's side, let him come in, all the light, gather themselves together, and said, Every man, we just read this, so I won't read it again. 3,000 men. Gravestones, 3,000 Molochs are buried. This is where we think the gravestones were found. And we went there, but we didn't have time to just, he let a couple of people run over there real quick and take some pictures. So these are some of the pictures that some of the brothers took and brought back. In other words, those stones standing up for 3,600 some odd years, that's not natural. That's not an accident. They were specifically placed up there in an area marking these as a lot of people were buried here. Some of them were their friends. Gravestones. Moses Well. If this is Mount Sinai, and I believe it is, then it says that there would, Moses says, well, let me, I'll just read it. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. The priests of Midian had seven daughters. They drew water, filled the troughs with water for their father's flock. But the shepherds came along and drove them away. Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. So when they came to rule their father, he said, How is it you come back so soon today? An Egyptian helped us run off the shepherds so we could get the water a little bit quicker, is what they're saying. And he said to his daughters, And where is this man? Why is it that you left this man? Call him that he may, may, may eat bread. Now, that was interesting. Bread. And that's whole wheat bread. 
That's not what the, the germ missing. That is whole wheat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses a poor his daughter. So, if this is the land of Midian, it would have to also have a well there. This is the well. I took this video here. Who wrote um, Nicodema? Yeah, Ibn Khaldun. Bad wind so, noise, Ibn huh? Ibn Khaldun, one of the early Muslim historians, and a few others that came after it record this. So it's been here for a very long time, is the point to be so careful. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't know if you can see the stairs that go down. There's actually stairs that go down quite a ways. Again, just to be clear, do we know that this is the well of Moses? No, we don't know that for sure. But here is a well in the center of town that is still to this day the tradition of Jethro's home in the very natural place that people would have lived. I think it's very reasonable to say that this is probably the well where Moses met Zipporah, drove off some of the shepherds that were harassing them, and then... Zipporah said, oh, they went back and they said to Jethro, hey, this guy, um, you know, stood up against the shepherds and he goes, why didn't you bring him back to dinner? And one thing led to another um, and then the rest is biblical history. Did you catch that? He was well-educated. Okay, let's go to the next one. It's loading. Was that it? Okay. Review the steps of Moses. So here's my video. It started here when they came down this wadi. And then it went to the beach at Nueva. They crossed here over to the Red Sea marker here. Leslie and I have been to the marker there. We've been to the marker here. Then they went south along the seashore to a place, Meribah, which I didn't get to see. And then went on south down to Elam. They went up through that big crack we saw this morning. They went out here and, I'll have to start the video for this next part. up to the Red Sea marker, down along the Red Sea, to Mara, and then they went down to Elam, then they went through all of that snaking cavern there. That was the 12 wells, the 70 palm trees. Absolutely, positively, no question in my mind, that's where it was. Then they went to the split rock that we saw at Horeb, this is the burning bush that started it all. You can see that here in a second. Split rock. Burning bush. And then here's Moloch and the grave sites right next to it. See, wouldn't that make sense? Okay. Mount Sinai. Big mountain, big tall mountain. 7,631 feet, as I recall. 
and then over. I was trying to look in to see if I could see the plateau, and I maybe this is the plateau here. I'm not sure, but we are sure that this is Moses Altar, so someplace between there, and then the Golden Calf Altar and the Graves Altar all over here, the Burning Bush. Oh, the Moloch gravesite is up here. Excuse me. Okay, so, what do you think? Are there any questions? Pretty good tour, huh? It lit my fire for the miracles of God. So, I think that it more than accomplished our objective is to find a place where we can build a place for the women to flee, the people that leave Jerusalem when the abomination of desolation takes place. It also will give Leslie and I and Sharonda and uh, Brandon additional information where we can stand up and tell people the Bible is really true. Yeah. We, it really is true, and here's why I know it. I mean, I've got pictures. I, we can say, you know, we were at the exit point. We stood there at the exit point where Moses came out of the waters. We have walked in, not through, but in Elam. We've been up inside of the split rock. We've seen that it's split in three different ways. We have been Moses' altar. I've been roughly halfway up Mount Sinai. We've seen these things. So the Bible is not just fairy tales. God is not expecting us to believe it and have nothing to back it up. There's lots and lots of things to back it up in the case of Leslie and I. We can also say we've been to Noah's Ark. I've got a piece of it. We've been to Sodom and Gomorrah. I've got a shoebox full of sulfur balls. We've been to uh, the crossing, or the, the, yeah, the crossing side of the Red Sea. We've been to the place where Jesus was hung on the cross. I have uh, pictures of the iron spike that was driven in the wall to keep the stone from rolling to the left and opening the stone grave site where Jesus was laid in there. So, you know, we can, we can talk and convince people that it's real. Now, if you're online and you'd like to join us, you can go to spiritualprophecychurch.com or prophecyclub.com. You can click on becoming a ministry member and you can join and I would recommend you do that. You do want to be affiliated with some kind of Christian organization where you can say, look, I, I place my membership there. Second thing is, if you like this, click like, share, and subscribe if you're on one of the platforms out there. And if you pray the sinner's prayer just a minute, then I'm going to ask you to send an email to contact at spiritofprophecychurch.com to let us know you received Jesus. So as I was... Uh, as we were, we had just been through riding in the sand hills for about an hour drive out to them, about an hour drive in the sand hills. We were driving back after having a meal, and uh, I turned to our driver, and I told this story last week. I turned to the driver and I said, May I ask you about your Muslim faith? Because in Saudi Arabia, actually, we were in Dubai at the time, Dubai is a little bit more open than Saudi Arabia. But it's still, they don't take kindly to people talking about Jesus. So I said, may I ask you about your Muslim faith? Yeah, sure. I said, now, I've heard it's against the law for us to do this, so is it okay for me to do it? 
He said, if I say it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> All right. So I said, so why did you become a Muslim? Was this because your parents were Muslims? Or did you research several different gods and choose to, to worship Allah? He said, no, my parents were Muslims, and you know, I just became a Muslim. And I said, well, do you know the difference between the Muslim religion and the Christian religion? Well, no, we worship the same Jesus. I said, no, actually, it's not the same Jesus. And so I began to explain that. And I said, actually, the difference between Christianity and all of the other religions is this. All of the other religions say you have to work to get eternal life. Christianity is the only one that says you can't work. It's a gift. And so I quoted the verse, you know. Uh, not a works lest you boast, lest a man should boast. And I said, it's a free gift. And you get that gift by asking Jesus to be your God. I said, in all of your prayers to Allah, have you ever felt a peace come into your heart? No. I said, well, when a person asks Jesus into their heart, they get a peace that comes into their heart. And I said, when I was nine years old, it was a Wednesday night, we were at the Tom Hansen building in Odessa, Texas, to be specific. There's, I was part of a new startup church that had left another church. Wednesday night, they weren't necessarily talking about receive Jesus. I don't even remember what they were talking about that night. What they said was not important. But all of a sudden, a curtain in the spirit opened up to me. At nine years old, I began to see that I was a sinner in need of a savior. See, we think that we choose Jesus. That's not right. We don't choose Jesus. He chooses us. The Bible says he chooses us. All of a sudden, the windows opened up. I saw I was a sinner. I needed a Savior. So I raised my hand. I said, I want to receive Jesus. And they, it was almost like, yeah, right. You know, nine years old. So the pastor came to the house. And he asked me all kinds of questions. Do you really understand what you're doing? So, yeah, I really understand what I'm doing. So that Sunday, they said, well, we want you to stand up and make a profession of faith to the church. I said, yeah, no problem. As a matter of fact, up until that, here, I'll tell you another story. I, have not, I don't think I've told anybody but, but Leslie. tell you another little story. Up until that point, everybody called me Stanley. But when the pastor, I was standing next to the pastor, I was, I was sitting next to him, no, I was standing next to the pastor. During that profession of faith, he says, Now, Stan, and I said, I am. Because my name was not Stan. My name was Stanley. So he says, Now, Stan. So I thought he said, Stand, with a D. And I said, I am. So at that moment, I decided from here on out, I'm going to refer to myself as Stan, not Stanley. A new name, yeah, a new, new creation during that time of profession. So there you go. It's a little trivia that has nothing to do with anything. Um, and I said, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, died on the cross, arose three days later, and I received his blood to wash my sins away. So that night, we went out to the Pacific Road Christian Church, Pacific Road Christian Church in Odessa, Texas. 
And there wasn't too many people there on a Sunday night, but that didn't matter. So I got on the little white robe and went down into the cold water that they tried to warm up, but it was still cold. I didn't understand. All I knew is that, thank you, Lord. Wow. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, so, so anyway, you know, the, 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 the pastor dunked me in the water, but here it is, here it is. As soon as I came up out of that water, there was a peace came to my soul. And it stayed with me for about three days. I wished I had been able to keep it for the rest of my life. How many of you know what I'm talking about on that piece? So I turned to this Muslim and I said, when you receive Jesus, a peace comes in your heart. A peace that the Bible says that, that passes all understanding. You can't understand why you feel this peace. But that's a confirmation that you've received Jesus. And I said, you know what? And he's driving down the road, okay? I said, so all you have to do is just say, Jesus, be my God. I said, just say, Jesus, be my God. He said, Jesus, be my God. Do you feel that peace? Yes. I've continued to pray for that driver. I can't remember his name, but God knows. God knows. So you people that have just watched this, this confirmation, the Bible is true. There is a God. His name is Jehovah. His son is Jesus. He died on the cross to wash our sins away. And you can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough. You can't do enough to earn a free gift of eternal life. It's, it's a free gift. How do you get that free gift? The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believes into righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Meaning, you got to say it, you got to believe it. You can't believe it, not say it. Can't say it, not believe it. You got to say it, got to believe it. What do you have to say? You have to believe that Jesus died on the cross. He said, no one took my life, I laid it down. And I lay it down and I can take it up. Why? Because he has the keys of hell and death. Another thing I said to him, I said, you know, Buddha's still in the grave. Muhammad is still in the grave. I said, Jesus is not in the grave. I've been there. I've been inside. I said, I can tell you, he is not in the grave. If they can't come out of the grave, how can they tell you that they can bring you out of the grave? Right? I said, Jesus came out of the grave. He can give you eternal life, and he's the only one that can. So let's say this simple prayer. Let's say it together. Jesus, be my God. Again, Jesus, be my God. Everybody say it. Jesus, be my God. Now let's say the sincere prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we admit that we're a sinner. We confess with our mouth. And I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, died on the cross, arose three days later. I receive his blood to wash my sins away, to write my name in the book of life, to keep me holy, to save me in the day of trouble, 
In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you just prayed that prayer for the very first time? Can I see your hands? Good. Okay, now, for you that just prayed that prayer for the very first time, congratulations. And I have one quick question, and it does not embarrass you. Bible says, Matthew 10.32 and 10.33 says, Whosoever confesses me before men, he will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever denies me before men, he will also deny before my Father. So it's very important to confess with our mouth to other people that we've received Jesus. Which is why, if you're online, email us at that email and say, I received Jesus. So, sir, I have a question. Who's your Lord and Savior? Jesus? Did you say Jesus? Let's give him our congratulations. One day, stories like this, some of this information, I believe, is going to get a lot of people coming out of those stands down onto the gridiron where they used to play football or baseball and giving their heart to Jesus. That is what it's really all about.